All right, partner. Keep on rolling, baby. You know what time it is. It's the A-Show. Ariana Grande appropriates for April 6, 2022. How goes it? I don't know that Ariana Grande is a full-on Italian-American until today. Because this entire fucking time, I thought she was Latin. Because I think her full name was like Ariana Grande Butera or something. I was like, yeah, maybe there's some Italian in it. But I was like, she's from Florida. Boca Raton, if I remember right. She was a Panthers fan. Fucking Panthers beat the Leafs tonight, 7-6. to But I'm really sidetracking here. Sidebar. But I, I, I thought Ariana Grande was like mixed Cuban or some shit. I don't know. She was full on Italian. So how the fuck did this did this person <laughs> go whack to Latin baiting to black baiting to Asian Korean specific fucking baiting? I it's incredible how diverse this this lady is. And then she went out with Pete Davidson a little bit. It's amazing, and she's just a full-on Italian. Like, she pissed off every single race possible. (laughs) But I don't know, I just learned that today. I go, Italian? Full-on fucking Italian? Yes, didn't you not see her when she was a Nickelodeon? She was fucking full-on whack. I didn't fucking know that. I didn't. I don't watch Nickelodeon. Fuck that shit. Anyways, so that happened to happen. Um, quickly... Uh, I wanted to talk about a main thing that's related to uh, whatever, but uh, I didn't get to it. So uh, Elon Musk uh, buying 9.2% of the stocks in uh, fucking Twitter. I'm going to say this once as much as uh, in the beginning of this show when I said I'm with Elon for back in the Mars day, back in 2017 when I recorded this. you know, And then I recorded an episode a while ago, What's Up With Elon, episode 164. Uh, about two years ago now, almost May thirteenth, two thousand twenty. Uh, one of more popular episodes, believe it or not. And I think this guy is going off the rockers. <laughs> I said it then two years ago, and then I'm saying it now. Look, if you're this guy's ego is further than how much fucking his spaceship will, will go to fucking Mars. Forget occupy Mars shit. Like his ego reached fucking Jupiter. Maybe Neptune or Uranus at this point. And that's how long his kid's fucking name is. You know, 12 letters or some shit. Like it, like a planet per letter, you know? And he's spending his fucking time picking fight with SEC, which I think is a proxy war he's doing with this fucking Twitter shit. Just testing the limit. I don't understand why he's picking this fight. I think he's just losing his fucking mind over this shit instead of focusing on what's ahead of him a fucking quality vehicle and fucking getting people to fucking mars if he truly cares about it so he needs to get some fucking sleep like he needs to get fucking laid since what's her name fucking grimes left him or some shit and i'm like this guy needs to fucking reset and then step the fuck back and take a fucking fucking vacation like i He's wasting awful amount of time with Twitter. 
a non-profitable, you know, social platform. You're not going to create a new platform as evidenced by Parler and this truth that fucking Trump was trying to run. It's like you can't change people's habit. And Twitter is not exactly attracting new users or any of it. So I'm just going to say that he's just doing this for shits and giggles. And he's just looking for a minimum 25% gain. Which is the exact same strategy I was fucking trying to do back in 2016. When there were acquisition rumor. I said go from $12 to like $16 or some shit. And, and I, make, I make 25%. I'll be very, very happy. You know, my beginner investment strategy. So he's just going to walk away like it's a fucking Bitcoin like he did. And then only difference between me and him, other than the percentage gain, is he's going to do that with $2 billion instead of my fucking $200 I was doing back six years ago. So good for him, but I am sick of his bullshit. I am sick of his nonsensical horse shit. And I'm sick of these fucking simps who go, you know, Elon or nothing. And then I'm going to, you know, go over some mental games of Jordan Peterson or some shit. Like all these fucking simp boys who who just are fucking simping over Jordan Peterson and Elon Musk. And this is just the next level. And then it's like, oh, I just love a good old troll her. It's not even a funny troll anymore. I just go like, dude, I get it. You made fucking money. Stop flexing and sit the fuck down. So that's my sidebar commentary about Elon Musk. And if you want to hear more what I said two years ago, go back and listen to episode 164. <laughs> I, I came to a simple answer at that point. It was like I, two years ago, I said he needs to go to fucking whatever. Get some rest. You know, take it easy, you know. And he hasn't listened. So here we are two years later. And he's picking fight and shit. He thinks this is bigger than God. You know, you get a few hair plugs and, you know, dye your fucking hair and then sleep with a couple B-level celebrities and he thinks he's a fucking guy. <laughs> he's better than most of us. But I go, holy fuck, dude, relax, you know? So there's that. The main thing I wanted to talk about <laughs> was a bit of a philosophical life lesson thing, which is, uh, you know, I think uh, I did this, yeah, around the same time two years ago, episode 161. You know, four life teachings from Vince McMahon, a 76-year-old now. And I have something similar, which is like, I, I'm going to go off of the three life lessons Mr. Undertaker gave in his speech in the Hall of Fame, whatever thing, uh, Friday night, which was very interesting, given that Undertaker is the Undertaker. If you want to learn more about the Undertaker, go listen to episode number 33, where, where I said, explain to me the Undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a wrestling, but it's a wrestling related topic. But then the life lessons he gave, he called them mental signature moves. Uh, I'm looking at the barstool who did a great job summarizing it. So I'm just going to read off the snippets there. But I want to expand upon it a little bit. So anyways, Undertaker, if you don't know, is the iconic character played by Mark Calloway over 30 years. And... Is he plays a dead man and then he plays, you know, the character, an intimidating character who, you know, goes with the fucking height 
and total intimidation, but shows unbelievable amount of athleticism that's not seen by someone at his height, like 6'10", 350 pounds or whatever, right? And he's been doing it for 30 years, keeping the gimmick and everything, and then it has become a signature character that we can all kind of like, is a great archetype. It's like, some people say it's like John Wayne. It's it's like the Unforgiven character from the old Western pieces, you know, but it's in reality. But anyways... Three mental signature moves that he said he has made to keep the longevity of his character and his game going, basically. Er, three basic lessons it comes down to. One, perception is reality. Two, respect and loyalty go long way. Uh, number three, never be content. So I kind of, you know, been saying something similar if you listen to 262 of these plus um, audios, but, you know, I, I thought it was very interesting that he finally got out of the Undertaker character and then said how he kept going, basically, so, and, but it wasn't just about being the character, but it's about how he, how you sustain the success and have the longevity and be able to continue, you know, I think I talked about resiliency a few episodes ago. Why I'm more resilient than you, than you know it. I think an episode from 171. Jesus, it was from two years ago. So a lot of callbacks here, but it's it kind of comes nicely. But what he talks about is perception is reality, respect and loyalty, and never be content. Um, I'm just going to say it, this is all professional, not personal. Because, you know, you cannot mix, say personal intimate relationship with some of this way too strongly um so i'm gonna work backwards never be content uh i you cannot say this to your partner (laughs) otherwise you're just gonna be like chasing you know heterosexually guy or girl forever you can't do that like there has to be a point where you understand like there's more there's more it's like yeah you never settle but at the same time professionally chasing something for a greater goal whether it's a title or money fine and i also say the same thing which is i'm happy that i'm always i'm always happy that i'm not happy which is basically this because i don't have a sense of complacency or just settling but at the same time i know when to stop you gotta this is the difference between resiliency and persistence persistence has a chance of failure and abandoning your own goal because you never you know get out of your fucking rabbit hole resiliency uh as explained by this lady um that i saw in a video yesterday so it must be true is uh, resiliency it shows you that hey you can continue but then you can socialize and be able to speak up and get other people's inputs so Never be content, absolutely, but professionally, that's a good quality to have, and you got to learn to be resilient, you know? That's a one really important mental signature and a distinguish, you know, thing, distinguishment, is that a fucking word that I think people got to make, you know, don't take it all literally, but it's, it's part of it, it's a start, right? So there's that. Uh, number two, again, going backwards, respect and loyalty go a long way. I thought it was fantastic when he said his story, Undertaker, he pronounced pal, uh, that his dad told him when he was like, I guess like coming up was, hey, just remember that the, the 
toes that he would be stepping on are the same asses that he would have to kiss on the way down. And I thought that was funny because like, hey, you cannot be arrogant. You got to you got to be grounded and all that. But one thing that you got to always show is especially not just in wrestling business, but professionally is respect. And then I just go like, right, you got to respect how I, you know, there are different ways to show it. You don't have to kiss ass every fucking time. You don't have to suck up every time. That's just pandering. They know, right? It doesn't come off genuine. And, but you got to remember that like, especially in an environment, even if in a lone business that you're in, say like professional wrestling or MMA or, you know, acting or something, other people help you to get to that point. This is where all resiliency of being a collectivist, you know, comes in. And I'm like, you need to get other people's help. And you got in order to achieve that, you know, loyalty, you got to show loyalty through respect and it go a long way. They do go a long way. And then uh, just remember, especially these simps, I talked about Elon Musk fire people. I just go like, oh, just bill, bill, bill. But I'm like, oh, you got to show when you are able to show that loyalty and respect because, you know, you, you know, you are what you are. And which leads to the very first lesson that Undertaker talked about, which is perception is reality. And he told this story from, you know, roughing up one of the rookies, you know, in a no-name town somewhere that they're doing a show in the beginning of Undertaker's career, which is like, he, you know, beat the shit out of the guy. Even the wrestling is staged and pre-scripted. You know, the punches you throw, you know, sometimes you can snug, they say. You can be a little stiff. You throw an actual punch kind of thing. And then he did that. And then uh, the boss, Mr. Vince McMahon over here said perception is reality. And then the perception is that you're a fucking bully. You're an asshole. So, and then what he showed in the ring, you know, being actually rough with the guy actually is done in front of a audience. And then the people in the back see it and then be like, this guy is a massive asshole. Into the, from the public perception to what the backstage think of him, which is not going to get you the respect and loyalty that you should get because especially in wrestling business, unlike in other competitive prize fighting or something, you got to trust each other to take care of each other. It's a it's a show to mimic a physical conflict. And if you're going to be actually be physical and not be artificial and fictional about it, then you're going to get hurt too by hurting others. And that perception becomes a reality so you gotta you gotta be able to show that you're able to take care of others you know in this thing and that perception will get stuck if you come off as an asshole you're gonna get stuck as an asshole if you're gonna come off disrespectful and disloyal you're gonna come off disrespectful and disloyal and i also have i guess a perception problem i would say but what i kind of tell people is look you're gonna see it at the end of it i explain it it's not, I don't argue anymore at this point. Like, I am who I am. But there are parts of, say, number two and three, the amount of respect and loyalty that I show through my continuous seemingly discontent <laughs> that are there. You just got to see between the lines. And sometimes I got to do that because I have a certain standard of work that I got to do. And I don't want to lose that reality you know, through that perception, I don't slip, and I'm very respectful and loyal, 
And if you cross that, if I perceive that you cross that, I'm going to call it out because I'm not a, such a simp to not call that shit out. <laughs> that is a reality to the perception I have. And that's a method of communication and all that. But, you know, these three mental signature moves that Taker talked about, whether you're religious or you're atheist like I am, or it doesn't matter. But these are three strong mental signature moves as taker calls it are essential wherever you go especially professionally i'm not gonna say this goes in your personal life whether it's a family relationship or you know uh, romantic relationships because you can't do this in an interpersonal that way because you're gonna be you're gonna be like you're just gonna be Arguing with them like they're co-workers. You can't do that with family and partners. I'm just going to highlight that there. These three are life lessons, in my opinion, more focused on professional development, which gets you the money, which gets you that creative and creative juice and the professional, you know, you know, leverage and confidence, which will get once you are able to kind of, quote unquote, figure this shit out. Your personal life and all that is going to be awfully easier. Never be content. I'm, uh, I'm always happy that I'm not happy, but I know when to stop also. There, 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 there are intricate steps here in between, which I'm not going to get into, that are also there that, that are there. But the general gist of it, these are the starting points. And then that's what Taker was saying. Here's how I survived 30 years as a character that you're probably not going to see the repeat of. And this is how I gain respect, you know, in this business and also have that perception outside the business and be able to continue to last this long professionally. And I think these are, I think this is why I found his uh, speech utterly, utterly satisfying close to his chapter. In his career. You know. Do I agree with him politically or religiously? Fuck no. This guy is a Texan. Born through and through. And then he gets. He talks about his religion and all that. It's great. But you know. And then. uh, But he's he's not wrong. You don't have to be religious. This is not political. So these three points are absolutely true. Oh and one last thing. That he said at the very end. That's not exactly a mental signature move he talked about but i take it as a three and a half you know point number four when he walked off the stage you know when he put his uh, hat and then the jacket back on he said never say never and i absolutely go with that phrase also never say never i never talk in extreme terms i stopped that i i really stopped that you know i, I learned that from the wrestling business because everybody says i'm gonna retire I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna come back to this, you know, promotion company. Uh, you never know. If you know what the three things are, you know, with a perception, respect, loyalty, and the uh, constant discontent <laughs> or desire to be better. Really, that's what it is. Uh, you you gotta keep your doors open. So never say never. That's the absolute very last thing he said. I think people take away as a. Uh, life lesson 
And it's not just that he may come back and do a character again, but that is also a life lesson. I'm going to say. So these are the four things. Three and a half, if you want to call it. Three. Four life lessons from the dead man, the Undertaker. So there's that. I want to leave it on a high note there. I don't know if you agree or disagree, but I elaborated. And then uh, there is that. And then uh, well, well, email me if you agree or disagree. A-show-it-outlook.com. A-show-it-outlook.com. And then, uh, oh my God, please don't simp for, e- simp for Elon. Think for yourselves, man. And then uh, we'll see you next week. Peace out.